This is Sven and Diego, and they are from Spielraum in Amsterdam. They've been throwing parties for about two years now, and this is what they have to say.
How are you guys? Hi, we're good. Um, Why don't we just like start from the beginning and just tell me who Spielraum is and um, I, I know that you two are the founders, but how did it, how did this all start? Um, we were working on other parties, uh, or actually, yeah, like several, uh, but we were, we were like more like assisting with parties in uh, Amsterdam. Like it kind of coincidentally happened that we got involved in that. You know, we, it, that was a lot of fun. We were really enjoying that. And at a certain moment, we thought there's this, there's a thing missing. There's a, a we were missing a proper techno party a proper queer techno party and uh there was one uh but that one stopped so then we were like oh wouldn't it be nice to to do a party there at radion at the club uh, where we're doing it and then all of a sudden we were approached by them um well no the thing is that we were working on a party with like with this uh with this guy and the the thing is that um the email uh he got the email and then we kind of like told him that we would love to take this chance and and do that uh do that party or like come with a, a concept and he said yeah sure just do your thing and uh that was super cool and then we went to the club and uh we had a lot of conversations and and then all of a sudden there was spiel
Almost two years ago now. Yeah, a bit more than one and a half year, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Two years ago in January. And so then we started to develop the concept. And our first party was in June. What were behind the main philosophies and concepts that you really proposed to them? They were really clear in that they wanted... They said, if you're, if you're, if you're going to do a party, then it has to be special in a way that it had, has to be different from other parties. And at that time, it, we were really thinking about like a, like a concept in a way that, you know, because when we came with the name Spielraum, which actually means something like playroom, but more like play in a philosophical kind of way that I came with this name and then we attached it to uh, Johan Helsinga, who is a, a, a historian, a Dutch historian. He has written a lot of a lot about play and also uh, Friedrich Schiller, who is a, a German philosopher, but and but mostly a, a writer. Uh, and they they have all these theories about play and how how a how a person really comes to its real self uh, when at play. So we kind of like got those things together, but. That was like the only concept. And at that time we were really thinking about how to make it playful. So we were, we had this, this, like this, this crane machine, this lucky crane machine. We, the ones you have at, at a fair, at a fair, fun fair. Uh, we, we still have that. We had a, a ball pit, but so we had all of these playful, like these things like attributes or, or the, the things that would make it fun so that it would be different but like in in time all those things kind of disappeared because like produ production wise it's a lot of work and also because we came to the conclusion that in essence it's way better to have just a party with really good fucking music and a crowd that's finger looking good yeah you know when we started this the only the only philosophy or the only the only ideal like in, in an idealistic way, we, we were only thinking about having a, a queer techno party. That was the only thing we were thinking yeah. of. It didn't, like, we didn't want it to be gay because that really has a white cis, uh, uh, cis white male connotation, uh, which we didn't like to so be queer. And that was like our only ideology. And the thing with techno parties, especially in Europe, they all have like this dark, dark vibe with like dark artwork and stuff around it. And we wanted to make something more playful because a queer techno party is super happy and 
people are having <laughs> good times. Yeah, or happy. I don't know if it's happy, but it's at least at least it's euphoric. You know, yeah. it's a really euphorical experience to me. Uh, that's for sure. Theatrics seems like maybe it plays a role. Yeah, yeah, but it's also something that you really can't create yourself. It really has to happen because of the people that that come to your party. And I hear people like talking about what they're going to wear three or four weeks in advance, and we're like, whoa. People are already talking now yeah. for our next party, which is six, in like seven, six, seven weeks. Yeah, seven, six weeks. And they're already like planning it and like thinking about their role inside the party. And yeah, they're, they're out. And yeah, it's amazing. So that, that first party that was in June, mm-hmm. that was in Radeon, right? Which maybe you guys yeah. can talk a little bit about that venue. Well, Radeon is, a, is an old university building and they stripped down the entire place. So now it's like one big concrete building. Yeah, it used they to be. Like, it used to be a dentist school, actually. And yeah. they have like four four rooms. Four rooms, like um. But do you put DJs in all four rooms? No, in three. So we have three rooms with music, and the other room is just like the chill area. How big would you say the space is, or maybe do you know the capacity? Uh, maximum capacity is like fifteen hundred sixty. To be very precise. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's huge. You, really, you can really go on adventure. Yeah, the things, what I like about the venue is that you you have all these separate rooms and it's really to uh, to use them uh, separately. So if you close a couple, you don't, you don't, it doesn't feel, it, it becomes smaller. So it's really, it's a big venue, but because it has so many different spaces, it does feel very, how would you say that? Um, intimate? Per- yeah, intimate, that's the word. I mean, our first party was for only f- like a little bit more than 500 people, yeah. which is a lot, I think. But I mean, then we used the, the main room and then like the second party as well. And the third party, we started with the second room and the fourth party, it really exploded. And then we used all the rooms. Yeah, but we didn't put a DJ in the third room back then. We, 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 did, did, we did, yes. Did Sorry, ones. Emma, we did. <laughs> <laughs> We're really known for, uh, we're really a pumping party. It's not, it's never slow, um, but we do, but it's really, we do try to uh, get some contrast in, in every room because, between everyone, because, you know, you can book techno everywhere and that will work, but not for us. Like, I think it's nice when you're going out and you can just like change and you switch rooms and when you feel like different music. I, I like that. I like that diversity. The main room is always focused on techno, and then the second room can be uh, more like this ravey 90s vibe. It's different every party. Yeah, we had, we had, like, we had uh, Tiana T playing there, more housey set, but we also had uh, Kashu from uh, Sao Paulo, Mamanega. And uh, so, I mean, it can be very different, and that's actually super nice. It, it always works. Like, the, that. That room is really the, the more versatile room, the, the second one.
So we started with Polyep. He was Dutch. When we were developing the concept, we were thinking about, okay, we need to have at least one resident. And then we immediately thought of her. <clears throat> like her, her kind of techno is just like the harder pumping kind of techno. Uh, and then we have Kiki. Uh, the thing is that when we started with with uh, Spielraum, we thought we we really wanted to do this '90s rave uh, uh, night, but we knew that we we weren't able to have a second room already. Like that was a bit too much for the beginning. Um, so then we thought uh, we but we really wanted to do this. Um, so I was asking around. It was like who who's gonna play this? Like who the fuck? plays this shit because it really was something that we loved and we knew that a lot of our friends loved the 90s ravey but also trance like like the really pumping kind of stuff from the 90s um that's sometimes hits like 160 beats per minute maybe even 170 so i was just asking around a bit and then a friend of mine said maybe you should check out kiki and i Maybe you, you've seen her, but I, I never saw her. But she was a, a regular at uh, the school uh, club here. So then um, we heard that she was going to play at this uh, little after hour after party thing, like at, at a very weird venue. It doesn't even exist anymore. It was anymore. next to a church. Yeah, it was next to a church. And it was on a Sunday, like on a Sunday afternoon. Like, uh, but, so it turns out there was a service going on in the church. So she couldn't play out loud. She, I mean, like the guy that was running the place, like came to her, like several times. I think like five times, saying that she had to put, like, really put it down. Lord, so, but then we heard the recording and we really liked it. And then we just asked her to come over uh, for coffee, and I would love to do this. And we said, okay, well, let's go. And she back then she was twenty. She really, I mean, she's she's super young. Was was she twenty or twenty one? Twenty one. I mean, she's fucking young. It's something. She's a, she's a nerd, really. She's a she's a music nerd, which which I love about her. She loves digging, and we just gave her. She said, like, so so. What do you expect me to do? And we said, well, I mean, we have the second room for you. Do your thing, and she was supposed to play for four hours, but in the end, she she played for six and a half hours. People were not leaving the room. They were refusing to leave. The second room was even busier than the main room. Yeah, I mean, the whole place was packed anyway. But but then, yeah, I mean, it's funny because we just gave her... It was pretty... When I look back, we, we took a big risk, actually, by doing this. Because she was super young and we, we, we only saw her play, play once. And that was like with a church service going on in the building uh, uh, next to it. So uh, we just took a huge risk letting her do this, but it turned out to be like super good. So that's, that's yeah. amazing. And uh, then uh, that same, well, I was going to say night, but she finished at like 7 a.m. So that, that same morning uh, we talked about it a bit and then we met up again a couple of, days or weeks later and yeah then we sealed the deal okay so Polly f kiki are those the two residents or are there any more uh afra is her newest resident she played the first time two editions last edition oh she played the first time she played was in uh december that was a uh, we did an edition with uh women only so we were, were 
looking for another DJ to play in that room and somebody got canceled or whatever. So we were kind of panicking, thinking who the, who the fuck are we going to book then? I remember talking to a friend of ours in, was it in a, it doesn't matter where, where it was, but we were talking to the friend, to a friend of ours and she said, maybe you should, you should ask Opera because Opera quit playing for a while to focus on she's she's she also makes uh jewelry so she focused on doing that for a while so she didn't play for five years or something i'm just guessing i don't know she didn't play a for a few years she didn't play for uh, like 50 years <laughs> uh, and then uh um, so then she said that she said yeah she's playing again uh, so then we asked her um and I remember her and like coming in, uh, uh, like arriving at Radeon. That was like it was like, oh, who's who's she? And uh, it was immediately we had so much fun. Yeah, like her energy was so good, and it really we really we really connected. And then she started playing, and that was also amazing. Yeah, we told her she's. Uh, we said, "Don't hold back. Just start like start playing bangers right away." That's what we always said to DJs. We don't believe in warm up DJs, uh, and it always works. So every time a DJ starts, of course, you don't start with 140 beats, but uh, we say, "Just come on, don't don't hold back." And she loved to hear that, uh, and then uh, that that really worked out. Like that, that's like a dream. That would be a dream if I walked into a club and the promoter's like, okay, so you're on in 10 minutes. Don't hold back. It's like, great. <laughs> yeah. And actually now you, now you say it like this, I would actually, I can imagine it sounds like a dream because yeah, but it's something like I, I actually, I hate um, walking into a party and uh, looking around thinking, well, there's not much happening right now. Can we like, can't you just turn the music up a bit yeah. or just play a bit harder? Um, it really annoys me. You, you don't want to wait before you can dance. No. I mean, you go a bit earlier to a club. I mean, there should be at least a bit. Um, There's, you should be something to dance on. Come yeah. on. Like you want to, you want to, you don't you, want to stand still and just looking at the DJ. No, you paid for that ticket. Now you want to dance. It shouldn't be about the main act. I mean, even though the main act is like more is more famous or anything, it's like all the all the DJs that are playing are equal that night. Yeah, that's what I think as well. I mean, we also kind of like that's why we don't really book headliners anymore. We we like we didn't never we, we never bigger names, but yeah, like more or <laughs> names that are more um, settled, you know, less. Um, what I like most is that you just come at a party and you think, fuck yeah, this is, it's starting already. And, you know, but also because people have to come early at our party sometimes because um, like the last couple editions, we, we sold out pretty quickly and then it would be fucked up to tell them, yeah, come early, but you can't dance in the beginning. You just have to wait. Uh, that would be, that be not fair. Like we didn't learn this. Like we didn't go to school for this. I didn't even go to school at all. Uh, <laughs> we actually we learn a lot by the things we were annoyed by other parties. Yeah, that's true. That this is every it's time like, like 
every time we say this, but it's true. But every time we say this, uh, I we said this in one interview before. Before, but we were actually annoyed by how other parties were doing things, and that it still feels kind of arrogant. You know what I mean? But but it's not because you just want to do something better. But this is actually what yeah, we said. That, that's how we learned to yeah. do things better. Yeah by ourselves like we didn't make mistakes our, by ourselves as well like it's not that we're like so i mean we're, we're still learning and we still have to yeah learn a lot of things yeah true i'm really fearing the day that that we take a gamble and people would be like what the fuck are they doing i mean that could really happen yeah. uh, and and i fear the day but yeah it could happen i mean we're also we're also talking a lot to other people about their expectations and the things we still can improve. Sometimes you just don't know. You you don't notice things as a promoter.
maybe like, can you talk a little bit about the nightlife climate in Amsterdam and how you are in that, like, how are are you involved in that puzzle sort of as a bigger picture? Well, if we talk about techno nightlife at the moment, I mean, techno became quite mainstream. So there now there are many parties organizing techno parties at the moment with like the biggest headliners and stuff like that, but they're not safe for queer people. I mean, they could be safe, but it, like they're, those are parties, um, like bigger parties for like thousands of people that really book headliners and that are really focused on like tickets, like the tickets are probably like around 30 or 40 euros like pretty expensive or or at least pricey i would say and uh yeah they don't focus on creating a safe space it's really not their focus no they're just making money i mean yeah you could mm, say that not all of them of course but yeah i mean that's that's the techno climate and then you have the school uh which is which is a, a great club um we come there a lot like it's it's a it's a great club but it, and um with with a, a crowd that can be pretty queer um but in the end it's it's still a place um that is welcoming to us that's not uh for us um which makes me feel like you know it's it, like it makes you feel as a guest it makes you feel like a guest and that that's something that you know it's okay and 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 they're welcoming to us and they and it's really it could be very protecting from time to time or it, it is like if something's happening to you you can really um but in the end it's not it's we're welcome and that just doesn't feel feel right to me do most of the places that you're thinking of right now do they have door policy the school has door has door policy but it's not very strict i mean it's not as strict Bergheim, for instance, but it is, I mean, I guess to, like for us, it's never been strict, but I guess for some people it could, it could be quite strict. Yeah. Yes. Becoming a thing more, I guess. Yeah. What, how, what is your do- door policy like? Um, started with one door host and now next party we're going to have two because at the busiest moment we, I mean, a lot of people are coming at the same time. So now we have two people to select more to be able to do a better selection at the door. Let me tell you, the, the um, thing, the thing um, with, with Spielraum right now is that it has quickly become quite popular. So it's become more known, and, uh, um, which is a good thing, of course. But for us, it's also quite scary because the fact that it's become popular, it, it, has, a, it, had a, it has a risk of becoming a to mainstream party and that is exactly what we don't want we don't want to become a party where just everybody is welcome or um you know we don't want to like it's fine we we welcome uh straight people as well that which is that's that's fine for us which fit to the party but you have to be fitting like you have to look like a person that's that's open for everything that's going on around you so what we're doing now is that we didn't like we sold out our last like our coming edition is um on king's day uh, april 27th and we're doing a collaboration with uh heron sauna which is going to be super nice um but we when we started the online ticket sale um 
I said to Diego, I mean, we could sell out within one day, but in fact, we sold out within 45 minutes. I re- I really didn't see that one coming. I was so surprised. Um, and everybody was, was, was congratulating us with this. But in fact, we were like, oh boy, like we don't know who the, who the people are that bought these tickets. We want them to be nice and open people. Like we want everybody to feel safe and feel free um, so this means that we're going to have, like, we're going to s- still sell a lot of tickets at the door. So, uh, that's where the selection is, uh, is going to be. Um, so yeah, it's, it's like curating a crowd, I think. And, um, uh, yeah, we're still really looking, like, we're still experimenting with that because it's, it's really hard. We, and also we're just doing this, this is, this is our second year we're doing this. So yeah. it's so, it's still a bit scary also. It's not just booking a DJ and opening the doors. It's way more than, especially with our crowd, because we want to keep this crowd and we want to to have a safe place for queers. It's a party for queers, by queers. And I mean, straight people are welcome, but they shouldn't be not too many of them. Yeah. Uh, What our door host does is sometimes he just asks questions, Um, but... Not in a not that he's interrogating you or something. He just asks questions and and he he he's just looking at how you respond to them. And um, that I love how he does that actually, um, yeah. because uh, and in that way people he immediately see when someone's someone's responding in a way that he doesn't like or that he's like mm, I don't know if you're open to anything. When, that's when people here. get frustrated immediately, you know that those people will not contribute to the no. party yeah right right like if they're reactive yeah if people yeah. get annoyed and just be yeah so like for example would would he ask something like um why are you here like straight up yeah or he, or he just like asks, do, do you know what's going on tonight yeah do you know what kind of party this is or no and then inside what sorts of things do you have in place to continue this like no 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 photo no phone policy sort of thing yeah we we started doing this uh, last year with king's day for the first time um and we're actually becoming more and more strict with this because we really noticed that um it does affect uh your freedom a lot because if you want to walk around with your tits out just go ahead really that we we encourage that um we encourage that it's not not that we ask you to get your take your shirt off yeah no take it off now feel free Uh, (laughs) this is freedom (laughs) um it's not like that but it is like so uh, for instance when somebody is filming or you don't never know where that's going to end up like it will be on someone or you will be on someone's so we really try to be more strict when it comes to that. It's not that we have anything to hide or that we want to be uh, secret about what's happening inside. We just want people to feel free. And your camera does not contribute to that. And um, do you find that working with Radeon um, is like they're totally on board with what's going on? Like they've trained their security and things like that? And we, I mean, in, in the beginning at the first party, they just really didn't know what to expect. Well, the thing is, we, when, when they, they, they learned. Uh, in the beginning, it was a bit 
yeah, it was harder for them and they didn't know what to expect. Uh, I mean, they did gay parties before, they did queer parties before, like they, they even, the, the club even hosted like this sex party. Um, so they, they, they knew how to handle some things. Um, so it wasn't really, it wasn't entirely new to them. Um, but uh, so that, that, but that's concerning the, the security staff. When it comes to the club, we really we've grown into this thing that we're right now we're working together in a in really a way that I I love and that that took some time of course because you you have to get used to each other but in the end they're super open and like right now they even uh, uh, we get the first pick when it comes to dates like they're they they they're really willing to help us and actually. Everything is possible. That's yeah. really, it's super nice. Yeah. They really listen to us. Yeah, they do. And because, and that's, you know, it's a learning process, which is totally mutual because we, for us as well, it's something that that's, it's, I mean, it's the first time we're working so closely with a club and yeah. that's, you know, it's a, it's a process. In the beginning, they thought that we were very critical. <laughs> we had a, Weren't we? <laughs> yes, we totally were. We had a lot of, we had a lot of demands. <laughs> that it's going into a very um, nice and smooth collaboration. Actually, it's really, I, I love how we work together. It's, um, yeah, it's super nice. Yeah, and they're really nice people.
What sort of visions for the future do you do you have either in works or in, in your mind or in conversation? Somebody asked me after we sold out so fast, what's next? What what else is there for you guys? Uh, how can you grow? And it's really hard to say in a way that I don't we can't we don't wanna grow like in a way that we wanna be bigger because 1,500 people in a club is a lot. Is like a lot of people already, and I don't. It's not our goal to sell more tickets no. or or um, make like if we're gonna look for a bigger venue, for instance, which we're not definitely not gonna do um, because we love the club um, at at the moment. But then it would be then it would look like we just want to make more money. You know what I mean? It's something that we we don't. It doesn't look cute i think for us it's super like we we've collaborated with bassiani for instance uh last uh amsterdam dance event last year which was amazing and that really 
that also that collaboration kind of like happened to us um, for us i think right now for the future i think it's nice to do more like more of these collaborations of, of parties with like-minded organizations collectives people that that we admire uh, and maybe people that admire us and maybe you know look at how we can work together how we can join forces that is something that that yep. that we would love to do more in the future connecting the the queer collectives from yeah all over the world uh the first thing that's going to happen is whole festival in berlin with a lot of queer collectives and i think that's this is something really nice this is about really connecting our queer collectives um that really matter uh, and are trying to change something and you can really i think it really can really empower uh they everybody can really empower each other that's something that that i really love Electronic is really great, but my style is much better.
Faire mauvais chant. Faire mauvais chant. Faire mauvais chant.